Hi, this is Scott, and you're listening to Teaching Band in Small Town, Texas. This is our first episode, and I hope to bring you interviews with successful directors in small towns all over the state. New episodes will come out about once a month. Today, I'm talking with Beth Morrison. Beth is the band director in Thrall Ice-T. During her more than 20 years in Thrall, Beth has developed a very successful program, winning multiple sweepstakes awards and appearances at the UIL Area D Marching Contest. In a wide-ranging conversation, we talked about how she creates an environment for her students that fosters success and the challenges associated with teaching in a rural school. Beth, thanks for being here today. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. (laughs) All right. So where is Thrall? Uh, If you go about 30 minutes east of Round Rock on Highway 79, it's the last thing in Williamson County before you get to Milam (laughs) County. (laughs) Is there a stoplight in Thrall? There is now. There is now. (laughs) (laughs) I remember driving through Thrall so many years and just straight through town. Absolutely. So uh, what's the population of Thrall? You know what? I'm not even sure anymore. It's... um, the town proper, I think, is probably about 800, mm-hmm. but most of the population is, of course, out in the countryside. And so we have a lot of, of farming and um, ranching and things like that, mostly farming. So it's about as rural as rural can get, right? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, what's your high school enrollment? Um, right around 200. 200? Mm-hmm. So you're 2A, right? Yes. 2A, right. So you've been teaching for 30, 30 years? I will start my 30th year this fall. Congratulations. Thank you. That's an awesome thing. We'll, we'll come back to that okay. towards the end. But, so when you first got started, or when you were in high school, mm-hmm. who was, who, what motivated you to want to do what you're doing today? I had some really great band directors growing up. Um, Leo Garza came in as the beginning band director at Carrizo Springs, high school, uh, Carrizo Springs Independent School District. Um, when I was in fifth grade, and that's when I began band, um, and I started on French horn. And he, by the time I got to high school, he was the head director. So, and then he just retired a year ago. My goodness. He was there for 40 years. Wow. So, um, he and Rick Ball, mm-hmm. um, who's also retired, um, were my first set of, I would call them mentors. I was very motivated. I've always known that this is something that I was going to do. So um, it was just a matter of, of the right mentorship and uh, good instruction. And mm-hmm. I felt motivated to, to do it. Yeah. So <laughs> band directing was always on your radar then, right? From junior high. From junior yes. high on. Mm-hmm. So you were never tempted by a performance or, or any other? No. no. What was it about? Just the act of band directing, or just directing in general, that when you were in school, when you were in secondary school, junior high and high school, what about that attracted you to it so much? I think I really liked the structure, uh-huh. <laughs> believe it or not. Yeah. Um, I, I liked organizing and um, really enjoyed creating something over time that would produce a final mm-hmm. uh, product. and. Um, I, you know, actually enjoyed some of the struggles and uh, and then having it happen. So, where'd you go to college? 
here at Southwestern University in Georgetown. It's a beautiful campus. It's gorgeous. Who's your band director? Um, Dr. George Nelson. He uh -huh. has since passed, but um, he was my uh, director all four years in college, and he was my um, supervisor when I did my student teaching. Where did you do your student teaching? Here in Georgetown. Did you? Under uh, Richard Sullivan and Rodney Clett. Rodney Clett. Mm -hmm. wow. What was that like? Um, it was interesting. <laughs> I think it was at that point that I realized that high, that large school probably was not going to be my thing. Um, I didn't get a whole lot of time in, in front of the groups. Um, my, they put my piano skills to work, and I did some accompanying, sure, too, in yeah. addition to some individual lessons with certain kids. Mm -hmm. um, but I did get a lot of time in front of beginning and, and intermediate uh, groups. And um, I think that that was very beneficial. Um, but I never felt like I was in the trenches like I did the first two years of teaching. <laughs> so that leads me to that good segue. So right out of college, you you were straight at Thrall, right? Is that yes, right? And, and Dr. Nelson helped me find that job. I, was, I had put in uh, probably 40 applications all over Central mm -hmm. Texas. I'd heard from one. Um, and but didn't get an interview and um, I actually interviewed for a youth position um, at a church in Lockhart uh -huh. um, and then the very next week Dr. Nelson called and said there's a little school I need for you to go yeah, they're looking they're pretty desperate and they need somebody soon because sure. it was getting close to the end of the summer right. and um, and I said well I'll give them a call and I did and had an interview the next day and by the end of the interview and the tour of the school, um, I pretty much had keys in my hand. <laughs> it was a little bit scary. I, I don't think I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> so so you were, were you ever tempted to do the large school thing? I mean, did it ever cross your radar? I applied at a lot of large schools. Sure. Um, but I think in the back of my mind, that really terrified me. Carrizo Springs was a 4A school when I attended, um, but it was kind of like a small school out in the middle of nowhere. Um, they are 3A now, so. Um, but I, I liked the, the smaller feel, the camaraderie, the family atmosphere sure. of a smaller group. Um, and I, I think that that a small school definitely suited me better. Right. I went, when I first got out of college, um, my first job was in Brownsville. Oh, wow. Yeah, straight straight out of college. And, wow. Uh, it was a quarter high school, which then was five mm -hmm. mm -hmm. in the old classification. Right. And I uh, did five years there and then went to Galena Park ISD and mm. did a couple years there. And um, it took me a long time to figure out that small school teaching is where I needed to be. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time. I didn't realize that until I got to Fredericksburg. And I did a year in Fredericksburg. And was getting to that point in my career where I felt like I needed to be out on my own. I was an yeah. assistant for yeah. a long time at that point. And I had had enough, I think. <laughs> and um, I got a good story I can share with you later. But, um, the job for Thorndale came up yes. at that time. It's about 2007. 
it's about 10 years yeah. ago now, my goodness. And we got to be neighbors. I know. <laughs> and uh, I walked right, this, this, the situation I had there interviewing was so much was so much like what you experienced when you interviewed me. Yeah. I came out of that place, and 20 minutes later, I got a phone call and said, we'd like to hire you on. Yeah. And I said, you bet, I'll do it. And I remember my first experience, and we'll talk about this with you too, is um, my first summer band day. In <laughs> there were 16 kids in the band. 16 mm -hmm. was all I had that first few months. And uh, I walked in there, and I saw 16 kids sitting down ready for me to wow. lead them on. I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. What did I do? I felt like a new teacher all over oh, yeah. again. I oh, mean, yeah. So when you walked into your, your first day of band, with your thrall kids. I mean, how many did you have on that first day? Do you even remember? Do you remember? I, the varsity band, I really truthfully don't remember a whole lot about my first couple of years of teaching. Mm -hmm. It was um, so crazy. Uh -huh. um, I do remember having, I think we had somewhere between 30 and 40 in the varsity band, mm -hmm. which was eighth grade through 12th grade. Sure. Um, <clears throat> and I was terrified. They had not been, um, they'd, they'd not had consistent instruction for probably five or six years. They'd been, they'd had a lot of director changes right, in right. that time frame. And the last director that was there before me um, was absent quite a bit toward the end of that year before I came. So it was, <laughs> we were really in a slump, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh man, what have I gotten myself into? But the kids were very receptive, um, the parents were very receptive. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, coming out of college, I had a lot of energy, so that helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, being so close in age to the kids was a challenge. Was it? I, was I, I think it's, I think it's always a challenge. You know, they, I think they tend, the younger you are, they tend to test you a little bit more, <laughs> especially when you're fresh out of right, college. Sure. And uh, so that that was interesting. Um, I had some some clowns that kept me laughing all the time. <laughs> I'd get really mad at them, but I was in the long run. I was really glad that I could maintain a sense of humor. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But it was it was difficult, um, and and having to reali realizing I had to go back to basics, very fundamental things. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, was hard. Yeah, I remember those same experiences mm -hmm. in down my first year. Um, I also remember coming across challenges that I always felt were unique to that place. Yes. And in other, yes. in the other small schools I've worked in since then, mm -hmm. that it seems to be a universal thing that there are challenges that are very unique yes. to small schools that large schools, in my experience, mm -hmm. don't have. Yes. What do you What do you think those are? In your experience, what do you yeah. think those are? I think the big one is. Um, having kids in the program that are involved in like 5,000 things yeah. uh, you know mm -hmm. if you don't have kids that are able to do multiple things sometimes you're not going to have a team and you know <laughs> yeah. we have kids that are in band and that play football we have kids that are in band that cheerlead in fact last year um, eight of our ten cheerleaders were in band um, they run the gamut of sports I mean they're mm -hmm. Involved in all that, National Honor Society, One Act Play, Yearbook. I mean, it, it just goes on and on and on. And I'm very grateful to be in a place where the staff with whom I work understands that, and um, we prioritize, you know, and give and take a lot, and um, we make it work because we want those kids. They're good at everything. Mm -hmm. Some of these kids are just really good at what they do in multiple things, and so we want them to have those opportunities. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
they're tired a lot because of that. Yeah. And yeah. they get burned out. And sometimes they have to make hard decisions about quitting something, right. giving up something yeah. um, in order to focus on what they really want to do. So right. I think that's probably the biggest challenge that we have. How do you, with all the kids that we know do a whole host of things mm-hmm. in a small school setting, um, how do you manage that for yourself? I mean, it can be pretty stressful to yeah. to have to manage a calendar in that in that regard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I really don't know specifically what how I do that anymore. <laughs> it's kind of I get so used to dealing with it on sure. a daily basis that it uh-huh. just it's very natural. I've really learned not to um, panic. and um, I've really learned not to get upset and angry about you know well I thought I was going to have you for this such and such day rehearsal whatever and then you're going to be gone well our teacher didn't tell us and you know and um, so dealing with things like that very challenging and um, I keep a calendar on my desk. I still keep a written calendar on my desk. And I make notes on it. Okay, these kids are going to be on here. Right, yeah. So when you, in your first, I don't know, five or ten years at Thrall, Mm -hmm. um, let me go back. When I started in Mm Thornhill, and I faced the same kind of issues immediately, first day of summer band. Oh, yeah. And I made a conscious decision at that moment that I was either going to roll with it mm-hmm. or fight it. And probably rolling with it and making it work was going to be my best option right, right then at that moment. Right. And that, that philosophy has kind of stuck with me the past 10 yes. years now. How long did, did you recognize that kind of thing immediately or did it take some time? It to, took some time for me. Yeah. And I think for me it was more about learning how, and they don't teach you this in college, learning how to communicate right. with all the other people that are involved um, with all the coaches and that shouldn't be the kids that do that it's it's got to be I think all the the adults that are dealing with that have to communicate first sure yeah. and and make sure that everybody's on the same page and we sit down with our schedules and we look at okay can we split time here can we you know what can we do to help these kids be now, successful? is that a meeting you have at the beginning of the year or do you guys kind of do that on an ongoing basis it's on an ongoing basis yes. and sometimes it's on the phone if we can't sure all sit in the same room you know I'm not afraid to email or pick up a phone when I find out my dates for the for the following year I send it out to the athletic director when we come out of that region meeting in the spring um and I send it to my uh to the athletic director the superintendent um volleyball coach um all of my principals I mean I found that that seems to ward off a lot of the confusion (laughs) we still have issues at one you know once in a while but but boy that helps a lot you bring up a good point about communication and Mm -hmm. it seems like in a small school that a lack of communication can really hurt you in the short in the long term short term long term Um, whereas in a big school where if you've got 300 kids in your band you put out the calendar and that's the one you're going to follow for the most part you know and if a kid can't be there, there's probably five others behind right. them who can. Right. Whereas in our situation, you don't it, have that luxury. We've got maybe we'll have the one tuba player. <laughs> exactly. And if he can't be there, then it sets up a whole mm-hmm. host of problems. I'm yeah. sure others feel that same yeah. way. You know, um, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> but what what I 
What I want to ask you is the importance of communication. I mean, you touched on already how important it is. How how important is it, in your view, to communicate everything you're going to do with your administrators? Oh, extremely important. Um, they, my, my, I'm really fortunate to have um, um, administrators that like to, to go to as many of the events for the students as possible. Mm -hmm. They want to be there. Sure. Um, that has not always <clears throat> been the case. <laughs> right. But, um, my current administrators are very good about that, and um, and and I've a I've actually had to address some issues with UIL through my administrators. So keeping them apprised of all those dates and conflicts, potential conflicts, and sometimes having them write letters to UIL. I mean, that's all we just it has to be ongoing. Yeah. So that we don't skip anything, miss anything. <laughs> yeah, communication is so crucial. We talked about kids in small schools being involved in everything, and, and that's a wonderful thing. And it can create problems for us, and it can be frustrating. Talk about time management. Gosh, time management. I, you know, I preach the lead by example thing mm -hmm. to my kids, um, and so I feel like I have to demonstrate good time management. Um, we. Somewhere along the course of the beginning of the year, we always have our reminder talk with the sure. kids about, okay, make sure you're keeping a calendar. Um, you know, you've had your calendar that we sent you in June through the mail. It's also posted on the website. You can get to it anytime. Always check for updates, whatever. But make sure you're keeping your own personal calendar mm -hmm. with everything that you're involved in on there and when your deadlines are. Um, I think one of the most frustrating things for, for us, and I'm on my kids all the time about this because it affects their grades, is making sure they're turning in assignments when yes, they're due. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and I feel like I have to be on my kids all the time about that. Um, and... Uh, they just need to we, we talk about how do you find that balance and mm -hmm. sure yeah. <laughs> you know and one of the most crucial things that I've I've realized in the, the last few years and several students have said that this really made a difference is reminding them to make sure that they have time for themselves um, talk, talk more about that quiet that's time not, yeah. and isolated time sure. to themselves just to empty their brains for a while and yeah. relax and before they have to dig into other stuff because sometimes I, I think most of the time we're better people when we've pulled back a little bit sure and then we're more energized to to go forward with all the stuff that we have to do it's especially important with those kids that are really involved in stuff and, and I and I tell them I know it's hard it's hard for me it's hard for for my assistant, Mr. Estes, mm -hmm. it's hard for all of our teachers, um, but you, you will find that you're a better person and can think more clearly yeah, <laughs> when yeah, you can breathe a little bit right. and, and figure out a way that works for you where you can have some quiet, uninterrupted time. How do you, do you plan that into your, let's say your fall, for instance, when things are really going and you've got football games every week and marching contests, and do you plan that for kids to have 
downtime with each other? Or? I haven't. I've addressed it mostly with my leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, But that's a good idea. I probably should be doing more of that with my kids. I should too, I think. Um, it, now, they do come in and hang out. Sure, yeah, yeah. And sometimes they just hang out and listen to music. They'll go park in a practice room and put their earbuds in and not work on homework. They'll just chill for a while and if that's what they need then good <laughs> you know yeah. it's always struck me you bring up a good point it's that um, every small school band hall I've been in whether it's a 4A school or a 1A school mm-hmm. is that the band hall always seems like a home oh yeah we build on that a lot yeah yeah like it's a safe place to be you're you're welcome to come in I think that's one of the things I enjoy the most about what I do is creating that environment for my kids and making sure that they have a safe place not only to come in and practice or do homework or whatever it is that they need to do but just to if they need one of us to come talk I think um, I think we do a lot of supplemental parenting As directors, we do. We whether do. we're in big schools or small schools, right, and I right. think that I mean that just comes with the territory. It does. And those kids, we we are really good at building that trust, mm-hmm. um, which is why they come in and stay. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned developing relationship with kids, mm-hmm. and you know, it's easy for me. I think it's easy for you too. When I've got a hundred kids in my group, you know, and uh, it's easy for me to see each kid every day. I know everybody's name. Yes. I know what they do. I know where everybody lives. I know what their parents do. I know what their situation is. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when I was teaching in other places where there were two hundred and seventy kids in the room, that may have not have been the case. No. You know, you can't get to everybody when you've got five concert bands going throughout right. the course of the day. I mean, that's a special thing for us, isn't it? That we have that that relationship with kids. Absolutely. How does that affect your teaching? My kids know that when I'm on the podium, (laughs) we're business. Sure. Um, When I'm off the podium, it's anybody's game. I mean, whatever they need, we're going to talk about it. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to stop rehearsal if I see something that needs to be addressed that's non-musical or whatever. But... um, but, you know, I, I I want my kids to know that we're there for them, right. no matter what. And we've had a lot of issues to deal with this past year, uh, more than usual, I think. I think it just comes to the territory, though, I, <laughs> in this age of technology. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Now, that's changed, though, hasn't it, since you started teaching? I mean, even Very much I, so. Since I started teaching in 1999 was when I first oh, stepped on goodness. a podium. You know, there wasn't the social media aspect of no. what we do like it is now. There wasn't Instagram or Facebook or any no. of those things, you know. And um, every time I find a kid, they're on their phone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. checking their Instagram or they're posting right. something on Facebook. And it's not always good. Right. You know, and it seems like it's easier to kind of find those those instances in what we do because we have so much interaction with kids every day. Right. How do you, do you, man, do you take a step in managing that for your kids or you just kind of let them... I, like I said, when I'm on the podium, we're business. Um, phones are put away. Some of them try to keep them on their stands. I tell them the only reason your phone should be on your stand is if you're using a tuner or a metronome. Right. 
if I catch you doing anything else, <laughs> that's not good. Right, <laughs> then right. we put the phone away. Sure. And um, it, it's difficult, and some of them are very resistant to that. But I think it's a discipline that even we as adults need to be able to yes. put our phones away and to set the technology aside. There's a, a technology's great when it's used properly, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that there's some technology that lends itself really well to music instruction. Um, but I am still a huge fan of <laughs> set the phone down. <laughs> you yeah. don't have to be on it all, all the, the time. time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going to kind of change gears just okay. a little bit. One of the things that fascinates me about you and um, Stacy Gist, for instance, and Travis Hobson, and folks who have been at a place for a long time, is the idea of perseverance. Mm-hmm. You know, in a small school, at least it feels like to me, mm-hmm. that the smaller the boat, the more it rocks. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> it's easy to get swamped, yeah. you know. Um, how do you per- how have you persevered for so long and thrall through through the ups and downs and the lefts and rights when things oh. get tough? How do you kind of make it through through and continue to come back day after day? I don't say this lightly. I pray a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think a lot of it has to do with what we were talking about before. I I have to make sure I have time for myself so that I'm not overloaded. My brain gets full. I there's just and and when that happens I can't function properly. So what do you, how do you balance it? I mean what do what do you do? I am not a stay at the band hall until midnight kind of person. <laughs> right, sure. Um if if I'm done with instruction for the day and if I'm done with lessons for the day after school, I go home. I don't stay. Um I have I have found that if it's not done by then it's gonna wait until the next day. I mean I just I can't. Sure. I was I was by myself for twenty five years. Mm-hmm. Never had an assistant for twenty five years. Well I had a part time assistant once. Years about a decade before that, but um and so now I'm experiencing what it's like to have a really good assistant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that helps a lot too. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you can possibly have another person in there to help, that that helps alleviate a lot of things, sure. and and we can bounce things off of each other and rely on each other. Yeah. But I think for me, it's all about good mental health and maintaining um, balance in um, family and um, and work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I. I do have another part-time job outside of this, which is at my church. Sure. And I enjoy that. Uh-huh. That's my adult interaction yeah, time yeah. <laughs> with other musicians, and right, so right. that's great. And um, and I also uh, try to spend time performing, which was something that just uh, came up as an opportunity a few years back with the Williamson County Symphony, mm-hmm. and I'd forgotten how much fun it was to perform. Yeah, so you still play your instrument regularly. I do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I don't, and um, which is unfortunate, I think. And I know some directors who, who don't mm-hmm. play their instruments anymore. Oh, it's 
been wonderful to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember the last time I picked up a mallet or a drum set. It must, it's six years. Yeah. Six or seven years now since I did that as a percussionist, mm-hmm. you know. At school, I don't even teach percussion at school anymore. You know, yeah. I have somebody else who does that. Do you miss it? I do. Yeah. I miss playing every day. I miss being that focused mm-hmm. on that one thing in that moment and being responsible for putting together a product in a couple yeah. of days. You know, and I miss that kind of stre- pressure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it when I was in college, you know, and I played after college. Mm-hmm. And I, I miss that kind of thing. But now, it's a rare thing to see me playing a drum anymore. Yeah. I'll play, I spend 90% of my time playing trumpet or French horn mm-hmm. or trombone yeah. or saxophone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's that's where it is for me now. Yeah. And I um, always remember my college director telling me that you need to stay with your instrument. You need to perform. When you leave this place, you need to continue to do that. And uh, I did for a while, but stopped doing it. One of the other things that I get out of that is it puts me under another baton. And I... I have learned so much um, from Doc Rainey, just from being under his baton that I have carried into my classroom. It's been very refreshing. Um, so not only just the performance aspect of it, but the learning that yeah. I'm gaining even yeah. after 29 years of teaching. I mean, it's yeah. it's been very good. So it kind of drifted a little bit. That's okay. That's all right. Um, we were talking about perseverance. Yes. And kind of sticking, sticking. Yes. And. We were talking about balance. We were talking mm-hmm. about balancing and performing our instruments mm-hmm. as part of that balance, getting back to ourselves. And um, what else do you do? How do I mean when things are tough at school? And I've had instances where things are so hard that I sit at my desk and go, "What am I doing here?" You know. I cry. Uh-huh. I cry a lot. I do because that's that's just my counselor tells me that that just when you feel like you need to do it, just do just it. Do it. Yeah. Um, that relieves a lot of angst um lots of deep breaths (laughs) and then i i'm i'm a make a list kind of person um i don't know maybe some band directors aren't most of them that i know are but then i start making my list of okay what can we do to to alleviate some of this stress or um frustration with kids or whatever you know what what can we do and then and then I go through the process and it takes a while it takes days weeks whatever um, you know how are we gonna address all of each each one of these things individually right right so do you I know you run mm-hmm. I do I exercise yeah you quite a, that's helpful for you though isn't it I mean exercise is a big thing for endorphins a lot of are yeah. my friend <laughs> Um, do you have any hobbies? I mean, um, well, I have my other job at church, which is lead, I lead um, two adult praise bands um, at church, and, and I find that to be actually very much a stress reliever. It's, it's a little bit time consuming, but it's um, I enjoy that camaraderie. Yeah. Um, gosh, what else? I just I like to to. Uh, spend time outside when it's not 500 degrees um, and <laughs> and just you know get away from stuff for a while I do a personal retreat every year do you? I do and 
I probably shouldn't tell y'all where I go, but I, t I will because it's a great place. I do go to Marble Falls, and I spend uh, three days just by myself. Um, I stay at one of the places there that overlooks the lake. Sure. Um, I read. I swim. Um, I maybe go visit a place or two that's local. Maybe check out a new restaurant. Just antique shop. I, whatever. <laughs> but just for me. Um, so you just you're you're living your life at that moment. Yeah. You know you're yeah. you're being yourself. Yeah. You're not being Miss Morse. And yeah. and the most important thing is when I do that, my rule is I don't think about my work. Sure. And that's a really hard thing. I know. Because I yes, find yes. my mind drifting to, oh my gosh, I've got to do this and this and this when I get home, and then I'm like, no, no, that's not what this is about. So. It's hard. It is hard. It is hard. <laughs> I found myself on lots of occasions, you know, um, lying awake at night, thinking about what's coming next. Or if we're in the thick of things with Soul and Ensemble, we have concert site reading mm -hmm. right on top of that because oh, yeah. we go to an early contest. You know, yeah. How are we going to make it through mm -hmm. these competing interests and still be successful yes. at the end of the day? I mean, it's hard, it's hard for me sometimes to take per a moment away from all that and just be me yes. and just do what I want to do. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's hard to do. Hard to, and it was particularly hard my first year in Thorndale mm -hmm. to make that happen. I can remember spending school at in 3.30ish over there at that time anyway and I'd spend another three or four hours mm -hmm. at the band hall beyond that just doing And I things. used to do that <laughs> until I finally felt like it was under control and then I realized okay, what's important here? Yeah, it took a while for me to realize. It does take a while. When things become under under control, which leads me to my next question for you is, when did you feel like you had it all figured out, or do you feel like you have it figured out? When I learned to let go and delegate to my students, I felt um, I felt like there was a point there where I just wasn't ready to give up that responsibility that. And then I realized, you know what? These kids aren't stupid. Sure. Yeah. They're really smart kids. They can handle this if they want to. And it's, you know, once, probably by my 15th year, it took 15 <laughs> years, halfway through my career, um, I realized I, I've got to do something about this. And that's when we started doing the Tim Watsonheiser sure. yeah. stuff. Yeah. And really promoting that leadership and that after a, after a few years of that I could feel this weight come off my shoulders mm. and when I didn't have where I didn't have an assistant I had an assistant because I had two or three kids that were willing to say we've got this sure. you go do what you need to do we've got this um, so it was always hard for me I think it still is to, mm -hmm. to let go of things. Mm -hmm. You know, when I, when I first started teaching in small schools, mm -hmm. you know, I was just on my own. Right. And I did grades 4 through 12, kind of like what you were yeah. doing. Yeah. And um, so I had my hand in everything. Yeah. I was it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and when I got an assistant mm -hmm. that second or third year I was there, uh, it was hard for me to have him do things for me. You know, yeah. I still wanted to do everything. I had yeah. to learn that with Anna too. <laughs> and when I left Thorndale, well, it was hard 
to still do that. Yeah. And now that I'm in Lano, it's still tough mm-hmm. to want to let go of things. Because we all yeah. have control issues. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like endemic and band directors, I think, that we have this issue with not wanting to exactly. let go of something. <laughs> well, we have so much ownership in it. That's a really... There's a there's a line there. I mean, there's yeah. there's a fine line. I mean, our careers are so public. Yeah. You know, my wife thinks it's silly when I say being a band director is kind of like being a professional athlete. I mean, when you fail, it's on a public. Absolutely. It's, it's in a public way, Absolutely. and that stays with you for a while. Yeah. You know. Um, talk about that. I mean, people talk about failure in life as a stepping stone to something else, but in band directing, sometimes the way you and I both know mm-hmm. band directors who count their first divisions. Or Not who, me. Who are, yeah. <laughs> or, or who only are looking to get another trophy on the shelf exactly. to pad a resume. You know, how do you how do you get beyond it? You know, I try to I try to keep focused on what's the most important thing for these kids. Um, I think first and foremost, our community wants a group. That's going to entertain them. Right. I, I think that that's really critical. I want my students to graduate with proficiency in music performance. Sure. Yeah. Um, and and be able to to do that, um, not necessarily as a career, but but to be able to appreciate and enjoy it, perhaps in a community group or in a college group, wherever, beyond high school, because you can always come back around to your music. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I have kids who've done that. Um, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not a trophy counter. And that used to bother me because I think everybody around me for years, you know, it was all about making those first divisions. Yeah, yeah. And, um, which I think is a good gauge of instruction and when used appropriately. Um, but I don't think that's the most important thing. It's not the only thing. It's definitely yeah. not. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely not the only thing. I think that we need to be creating. Promoting good citizenship and responsibility and leadership, and I mean, some of these people, some of these students are going to end up being CEOs of companies. I mean, sure. you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're not going to do that for the rest of their lives. But um, and then making sure that they just have a place where they can come when they need something. So it sounds like you've got a long-term vision oh, yeah. for the Thrall Band. That, I want them to be successful. Yeah. For you, it's not. But, for you, it's a marathon, isn't it? Rather than a sprint, yes. you're looking yes. miles down the yes. road to what's coming. And next. I think my assistant, Banna Estes, has been these last couple of years. I'm really excited this year coming up. He's been such a great force in our in our group. Um, he's about 10 years younger than me. He comes to the table with some new ideas and a lot of excitement and. And he has taught me to get into the details more. Yeah. yeah. And that was something that, as a direct, as the only director, it's really hard to do. Yes. You know that. I know. Yeah. Um, to get into the details. I mean, some days you're just like, oh, that's all we can do. I mean, right. Just to <laughs> get yeah. the notes and the rhythms right. And right. Then, yeah. And then, but the attention to detail and, and um, tone and. Just, oh man, it's made a world of difference. I'm yeah. so grateful to be 
not the only person again. <laughs> oh, I know. We talked just a moment ago about entertainment. <laughs> it's, it's so important, I think, in small towns that, especially in the fall, yes. with marching band, that it, it's, it's got to be entertaining for your home crowd. Yes. That we can't pull together this kind of esoteric yes. nonsense that sometimes we see uh -huh. in in other places. Right. Right. So the DCI trends kind of make their way down oh. to us on some level or another. Yeah. Like some somebody starts it mm -hmm. and then kind of filters its way yes. down to where we are, yes. and then we kind of run with it while something else has changed already. Right. You know. What has DCI done to small schools? Do you think is it is it a good thing or a bad thing? What is that influence doing to us? I don't even know how to approach this question because <laughs> I, there's so many facets to it. Right. Um, you know, you can approach competition from what do the judges want to see and hear, and you know, there's that, and and that's the trouble with everything being so subjective is that different judges are going to want different things. Exactly. And you're never going to yeah. please everybody, so right. you know that you just kind of have to set that aside. <laughs> but I. I think it's really, I think we're borderline cheesy sometimes <laughs> because I don't think small, small school bands can can pull off a lot of the stuff that these bigger, more mature groups can can do. Right. Um, you know, for a long time, I wouldn't even use props. And, and even when I did, I was really worried that it was going to come across as really cheesy because... Sure. Yeah just because we had to have props out there or whatever. Right. I just didn't want to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that, that having a five or six member color guard has been a great thing because that has enhanced what we do without having to have props. Um, you know, the more you got out there, the more can go wrong. Sure, yeah. And especially yeah. with those younger kids. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and they have to have the maturity to deal with all of that. Right. Right. Um, so, I don't know. I just, I, I'd rather we just left the DCI stuff with DCI. <laughs> That's just my opinion. What do you think your audience in Thrall wants to see? Do they want to see just a good old-fashioned Friday night performance, or are they looking for something more exotic? You know? I think they want a lot of energy. Um, <clears throat> I, I think they want to hear stuff that's familiar. Sure. Um, which makes me nervous about this year's show because <laughs> it's not going to be anything they've ever heard before. Um, it's, an, it's an original piece. Uh -huh. So um, that's going to be interesting. Um, I think they, they want to see kids that are enjoying what they're doing um, and, and that aren't complaining about having to go to practice because they want to be, you know, yeah. they want to be, be there and they want to have a good performance. And that's the environment that we try to, to create. Absolutely. Yeah. So. I think it's important in these small towns because everybody knows everybody. Yeah. And I hate to say it this way, but the taxpayer base is so small. Right. You know, they have, it seems like the small town audience mm -hmm. has a bigger vested interest in what they see mm -hmm. on a Friday night. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, they, they're not interested in seeing a marching show that's got mm -hmm. five minutes of narration and <laughs> five right. minutes of percussion break or whatever. You right. know what I'm saying? They want something that they can walk away with. Well, and I think, I think, too, if you're going to try something that's really different than what they're used to seeing and hearing, that you need to at least take a little bit of time and educate them 
somehow, you know, and you start with explaining it to the kids, and then the kids can share that with their parents. But then at some point, I know a couple of years ago, we, in the announcements at halftime, kind of did like a little mini explanation of something that we were doing that was a little bit different. And all the, when the audience got to that point, the show, they were like, <laughs> okay, now we get it. I mean, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's just about informing them. Right. Yeah. Um, but then you're always, you're never going to make everybody happy. Sure. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what I've, I, that's been one of the harder things to learn to deal with, too, is that we're just never going to make everybody happy. <laughs> Talk on it. What is it about people like that? <laughs> program's been successful for so long, you know, um, on a lot of different levels. And um, what's worked for you, do you think, to keep your kids hooked on to what your vision is so that you continue to build on your previous success? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Getting kids to buy in. Yeah. I think peer leadership has a lot to do with that. I think their peers can can help integrate them into the program on a much deeper level, better, way better than I can, as far as, um, and sometimes it's just a lead by example thing. Hey, sure. let's go hit a practice room and yeah. see what we can accomplish in the next 30 minutes or, you know, it's, it's, we talk about that a lot in leadership training. Um, Sorry, what was the question again? <laughs> how do you keep? How do you keep get your you, kids to buy in to what your long-term goal is? Oh. I have to be a pleasant person. <laughs> I have to be a pleasant person. Well, that's important, isn't I it? I can't be the nitpicky, griping all the time. You know, I, when I'm on the podium, it's business. But when and, and sometimes I'll joke around, yeah. even on the podium, but or tell stories. They love storytelling. Oh, <laughs> they love storytelling, um, and I have some good ones. Yeah. But um, but you know, I think that they need to know that I'm a person. That's important, isn't it? I mean, we're human beings too. Absolutely. You know, and, and we have struggles, just yeah. like I think one of the, you know, this whole year, um, and this is this is more on the personal side, but you know, I've. I've gone through a separation and a divorce. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, my kids were right there beside me through every bit of that. Um, and I, I don't think that would have been the case if I wasn't accessible to them. Exactly. I mean, that speaks so, speaks to, so well to who you are. But they're as learning a how to be good people. As a result of that. Yes. yes. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with music. Yeah. That has everything to do with interpersonal skills. And it's, it's always seemed to me that in small schools, every successful small school director that I have ever met in my career yes. is like that yes. with their students. Yes. They're, they're genuine all of the time. Yes. They're not, they're not tough as nails all the time. If I've had a bad day or a bad night and I come into rehearsal the next morning and they can visibly see that I have not had a good day, yeah. I just let it go because... They need to know that, okay, I've had a bad day. Now I'm going to suck it up and we're going to get through this rehearsal yeah, and get yeah. stuff accomplished yeah. in spite of it. And, and we, 
we learn to deal with stuff that way and they learn to deal with stuff that way mm-hmm. you know this is where you can come and forget about the rest of the world for a little while and and be part of something bigger than that yeah yeah you and know? it's crucial isn't it sure. very crucial. crucial so <clears throat> if you had to do it all again would you change anything I think I would have had a designated mentor early on. Talk about that because that's going to be part of my. You know. I did have mentors did. all along the way, and um, people like Aaron Lewis, um, Perry Morris, Travis Hobson yeah. <laughs> when he was in our region. Great people, and and always willing to come listen and offer advice and that sort of thing. I think it's really important, especially now, um, that new teachers or even even teachers that are new to a a location or region um, I think it's really important to have that connection immediately with somebody that really knows the ropes Um, because it can be scary you know I was one of those people that I was always afraid I was going to make a mistake and so I didn't want people around watching me make those mistakes (laughs) I know I know I was the worst. I was I the know. worst. And so it took me longer to get my feet underneath me. Right. And, and uh, But, man, there are so many things about band directing that they just don't teach you in college. I, I know. It's under- <laughs> How has change, teaching changed over the 30 years you've been at Can they put any more paperwork on us? Um, <laughs> I get really frustrated by all the other stuff we have to do yes. that's not band related. Right. Um, yeah. And that's just everywhere. That's not a thrall thing. That's just across the board. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Technology is a big deal. Um, I've had to learn to not blow up things um, <laughs> because that's what I did for a while. <laughs> right. Well, do you use technology in your class? I do. Um, actually, um, every. I don't teach every year, but I. Um, we're going to have another music theory class this year, and I have three uh, computers, student computers, uh, with full uh, Roland keyboards, um, and we do music theory. I've taught music theory, music history, not at the AP level, but just basic stuff. Um, music composition, they learn how to write. Um, a lot of them have done some really good compositions. Yeah, yeah pretty amazing stuff. Um, so we do that. Um, a year and a half ago, our new uh, textbook adoption for elementary is uh, streaming online. Oh, cool. Sweet. We use Quaver. Yeah. yeah. And uh, my little kids just love it. Um, now, the, flips, the bad part about that is that we don't have... We don't have quite the bandwidth we need all the time. <laughs> and so we'll get halfway through a lesson and it'll just stop. Right. And you're yes. like, great. <laughs> yes. We'll yes. go to plan B and we'll just sing songs with the CD, you know. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> we'll learn how to keep a steady beat again. Right. <laughs> you know, right. all the basic stuff. So. What about your band rehearsal? Um, Banna is much better at that than I am. He is like the king of technology. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, I'm I'm good with it as far as I've got all the apps on my phone that I need to plug in, um, and we can pull up stuff. We've got access, and we've got the screen, and we've got you know whatever we need to make that work. If we need to demonstrate something, I do chart with Pyware now. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> and so that is uh, an experience in and of itself. Yes, and it's yes. been nice to be able to put that up on the, the screen, to be able to have their doc cards, to be able to, you know, I know that's still really basic now, but um, at least I'm getting there. <laughs> it's baby steps. It's baby steps. <laughs> and you know what? I could have, I could have retired in May. In May. Uh-huh. I hit my 80 and I'm still willing to learn some more. So, <laughs> so what? So it keeps coming back then. I love the kids. Um, I love. I love it when the light bulb comes on above their heads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it when they have a great performance, and I see the smiles, um, and the work is worth it. Yeah, that's the the director. Not immediately before me in Lano, but the one Wilbur Meyer mm-hmm. was in Lano twenty five years, I think. Mm-hmm. And he had worked in Fredericksburg mm-hmm. twenty years ahead of that. He, he taught for a very long time. Wow. Was, uh, I think he was in his seventies when he finally retired. And um, every time I see him, because yeah. he, he keeps coming to Lano, we invite him every every chance yeah. chance we get to come out. But every time I see him and we talk about it, it inevitably comes up. Well, why you keep coming back? And why did you keep coming right, back? Right. And every time, it's I like love the kids. Oh yeah. And now that he's retired, he can say, "I don't care for the adults so much, but the kids are great." Oh yeah. You know, and yeah. I think uh, for me, that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's the kids that keep us coming back, and oh, yeah. the relationships we're able to develop with kids in small schools, mm-hmm. as opposed to anywhere else. Right. I think makes that a stronger want. Yes. to be in their lives or, and they have them in our lives too yes. you know, that's been the case for you right yes so been there 30 years this will be 30 yes coming up <laughs> you've, you've got quite a bit of experience and um, what if some if you had to talk to Beth Morrison 30 years ago uh-huh. and and had to give her any advice about how to develop a successful program these are the things that you need need to be looking for or thinking about in this small school, in this mm-hmm. small town. What in in a few in a nutshell, what would those things be? What would you tell Beth Morrison thirty years ago? Don't be afraid to try new things. Um, embrace change. I've you know for a long time I didn't like change. Mm-hmm. It was hard. I'm gonna get there and stay there and I, you know. Yeah. Um, there's comfort in that. <laughs> <laughs> there is, isn't there? But, you know, get outside the box once in a while. Um, pay more attention to details. I, I don't know. I, it's, been a good, it's been a good road. Difficult at times, but, but you learn a lot. It's a good life, isn't it? It is. It is. to give to any new teachers who are coming out of college and doing what you did to take on their own program mm-hmm. right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, what practical advice do you have for those people coming to a small town, small band? What do you think they need to be worried about, thinking about 
working on. Don't be afraid to learn from failure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some you're going to try things that your way or hope some way that somebody might have suggested may not work for, for what your group needs. Um, but don't be afraid to, to learn from that. Um, and don't be afraid to call somebody sure. if you have a question. Yeah. Please feel free to contact any of the region and directors. At a more practical level, I mean, you talked about instru- you wanted to talk about instrumentation earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge I had. The Learn challenge to rewrite. I, I know. This is coming to the challenge I had in my first model school child when I had those 16 kids mm-hmm. who were looking at me and going, what's next? You know, and seeing that I had an incomplete instrumentation mm-hmm. in my group that I was going to have to figure something oh, out. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing we do, isn't it? I mean, right. even now, right. I've got a, a pre-level instrumentation. Mm-hmm. I don't want for much in that regard, but I still find myself right. having to make those changes in, right. in, in the music we're preparing. Right. So how, what's your thought process in that regard? One of the one of the things that I've learned after observing some programs where you know a person's been a first year is that you know if you're dealing with some real major instrumentation struggles, don't feel like you have to put them in a competition the first year or two. Sure. You know, take that time to breathe. Now, that's all dependent on what your administration wants you to do. And that's a very frustrating thing when they force you into that. Sure. But I think when when we do that, when we force the issue, then we're we're creating some major performance anxiety issues. For students and ourselves. Yes. I mean it's just ridiculous. It's it's a bad experience kind of thing. I want to give my kids good experiences. Right. Um, you know, have them all play at solo and ensemble or something the first year. Don't don't make them play as a group or whatever. But build it a little bit. You know, maybe do some rewrites, but build it a little bit and and get it going. And then when it's time, when you feel the time is right. We've we've had to recruit from other sections to fill certain sections this year, and we had 80, 84 yes. in the varsity group, and we found ourselves at one point with no tubas. Started out with two, one went into homeschooling, and one had some medical issues, and we were with none. And so we had to recruit, and I had two kids that came forward, and within six weeks' time, learned how, went to contest with us, and. It was. <laughs> I remember. That's, yeah. that's a special case. <laughs> it's not always going to happen. I that remember way. starting with no tuba. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I went to marching contest with mm-hmm. no tuba. It was a baritone player and two trombone players. You know. I was going to say, do you have a very sax? Because <laughs> that helps too. <laughs> and we didn't. We didn't have. I didn't have a very sax nor a bass clarinet player in that band that year. Godly. And I don't even remember how we were able to make that happen, but we yeah. did somehow. I can't even remember. Yeah. But. Uh, I didn't train a tuba player until we stopped marching. Yeah. You know, cause it's hard. It was, it was tough to do it. Really and uh, he turned out to be one of my best tuba players mm-hmm. I've ever had. Yeah. And, uh, but that instrumentation issue that we face that's unique to us uh-huh. is can be frustrating yeah. at times. But uh, yeah. what makes us, I think, stronger directors and creative people, <laughs> that's... I, 
that aspect's unique to us, you know. Mm-hmm. What makes us so strong as directors is that we're able to overcome that by just some creative thinking. Oh, sure. You know, just trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know, we're not we're not blessed <laughs> with an evenly balanced band with right. two oboes and two bassoons and a whole bunch of other stuff right. that works well. We've got... And we can't audition them. And we can't audition them either. Because they're all in one group. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, first year in small school, I had two, flute, two flutes. Yeah. You know, and uh, we just made it work. I had one. I had a, a director one time tell me when I was griping and complaining about instrumentation, and they said, "You know what? The kids that are there are going to enjoy it and have a great time. Work with them. Teach who you've got. Teach what you've got. Yeah. yeah. Just do it. At the end of the day, don't that's worry what about it. it. Yeah. Just do it." <laughs> At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. It's just teaching yeah. you've got in front of you, and it's right. going to be fine. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Beth, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. This has been, good. This has been fun for me. Um, I've had a good time. If this whole thing flops, it'll be all right. But, you know, um, at least I'm out speaking with teachers like you who... Um, who are inspirational to me, and I don't think you knew that, you've ever known that, that when I was in Thorndale, and, and all the times after, mm-hmm. that uh, I looked to your program for, as, as a way, I wanted my bands to be like yours. Yeah, I always wanted that, and I try every day to make my bands look like yours. Because <laughs> you're, you're a kid-centric teacher, and um, you want kids to get as much out of their experience with you as they're able to get, and you give so much of yourself to your students. And uh, my team, ever since I first encountered you, mm-hmm. and um, and all the times beyond that, you know, I wanted my bands to be like yours. Aww. So I need you to know that. That means a lot. So <laughs> the whole goal with this project is to go out and find more people like you that uh, are working for kids in the trenches that are down in these small rural towns that don't get a whole lot of attention but are making it happen for their kids every day and we we don't get a lot of exposure in that regard no, we, don't. we just kind of fly under the radar we keep our heads down we do our jobs yeah. we do the best for our students we do the best for our communities and we get our jobs done and then we come back the next year and we do it all over again. So that's where I'm at. Thanks so much, Beth. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank I you. appreciate it. <laughs>